The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right. It's going down finally. It's been months, years, forever to get my boy Ben Bennett in studio. Actually, we're doing a Zoom tonight, but to get him on the air. I met him. I was at a conference. I was in Kansas City years ago, and I was at the stadium because there was going to be this huge uh, prayer uh, event, and we were out there with a couple other friends, and we went back to this hotel, and I was, I think I was going through to get some coffee or food or something in this, in this like cafeteria area in the, in the lobby of the hotel. And this guy came up and said, Hey man, what's up, man? I know you. We got mutual friends. Da, 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 da. And it turned out to be Mr. Ben Bennett. We, we hung out that night and we were like, yeah, man, we got to connect sometimes. We got to get together. Hey, I should have you on your radio, on my radio show. And how many months has it been, Ben? Bro. 18 months and we're finally making it happen. It's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, the best, you know, we, we the, uh, save the best for later. Right. And what's awesome is I'm glad I have you on the, the show is because we just redid our whole studio and uh, we're just doing a whole relaunch with the show. So it's going to be awesome to have you uh, part of the very beginning of this new launch. And we're excited uh, to, to have you on, man. Well, I, I do want to say this, man. You did send me your book, uh, Free to Thrive. It's uh, you, Josh. McDowell, a uh, hit bestseller uh, when it first came out. I know it's still in many categories of bestseller, but um, I know that Josh McDowell, which is uh, your ministry partner that you work with, uh, Josh McDowell Ministries, uh, he's a heavy hitter. I've seen him play when I didn't even know who he uh, not play, but I've seen him actually speak uh, for one of his other books mm-hmm. years and years ago when I first got saved. And I loved uh, the way he delivered, it was fresh and raw and just, I was like, who in the heck is this guy? I had to call my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, have you ever heard of this guy, Josh McDowell? Oh, yeah, he's so cool. He's amazing. You know, just really backed him. But the fact that you guys got to drop this book uh, free to thrive and it just being out there, I wanted to get you on. I wanted you to talk about this because I know it's a tool as I was reading through it. This book is going to hit hard in people's lives. And, you know, the one thing I, many things I loved, but it's, it's just down to earth. It's authentic. And you're, you're not holding back and you're really hitting a lot of, uh, um, issues and addressing things that you went through some pretty gnarly stuff and you're being very transparent and authentic through it. And that's what we need. So dude, first of all, Thank you for writing this book, and it's awesome that you partnered with Josh McDowell Ministries because the reach with that, too. This book is full sending, and it's going to continue, and I want to see this thing grow and get out as much as possible. So thank you, man, for for doing this. Yeah, thanks, man. Those words mean so much, the encouragement, and thanks for having me on the show. It's awesome to uh, get to chat and uh, dive into some stuff and really appreciate seeing you. It's been a while. It has, it has. So look, man, um, what I love to do on the show is just like introduce my friends to people, to the listeners. So um, you have a, you have a story, you have a story. Where, where'd you end up growing up? Yeah. So I ended up growing up in Virginia beach and uh, grew up there early on, just going to church each week uh, early on, understood the gospel, the real gospel that that God loves me and wanted a relationship with me, but I had done wrong things. My sins separated 
me from him, but through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, I could have this forgiveness. So it was um, around the age of, of four. I actually somehow comprehended that and got it. It was, it was all in uh, believing in Jesus. I had the Holy Spirit. I was telling my friends about Jesus and how to have salvation through him. And um, my parents were in ministry. So while I had this relationship with God, and that was good, my relationship with my family was was broken, uh, especially with my dad growing up. He was really angry, bullied me um, for years. He was secretly abusing alcohol. So we just had this, I had this unhealthy family environment. Uh, I was from an early age feeling alone, angry, started dealing with mental health stuff and um, started being bullied by my friends. And so real early on, it was just a struggle. It was like I was holding on for dear life. I knew God was real. I was talking to him. Um, I talked to him all throughout the day. It was like, he was like one of my survival mechanisms hmm. to, to make it through those early years of my life. So you said your dad and your mom were in ministry, mm-hmm. right? So now, yeah, and you're saying ministry. that, so you were, you were walking with God, you were talking to him, you had this relationship, he's there for you, but yet your parents are in ministry, but your dad's secretly hitting the booze and there's just all this dysfunction going on at the house. So most people would kind of just turn away from God and be like, this isn't real. What's going on? How can, how can these guys be in ministry? And I see this life, it's like a double life, but then yet. You know, they're, they're pushing one thing, but then at home, it's like a double life. How were you able to, to, uh, get through that? Cause I just know many people that have, have been in those scenarios and they walked away from God just cause what they saw at home. Yeah. You know, I would say it's just totally a God thing. God, God's grace. Somehow early on, I had the awareness of God is not my dad. He's separate. I know about God. I know about Jesus all this stuff is going on. It's unhealthy in my family. Yet at the time I had no other life to compare my mind to what I knew was normal. So really when it came down to it, it it wasn't like it wasn't until later in my life that I realized all of, all of this hurt and dysfunction early on. It was like, okay, what my dad is saying about me, the way he's treating me must mean I'm wrong. Right. Um, Something is wrong with me. I'm the problem. What my friends are saying about me, the bullying, I'm wrong. So rather than kind of looking at all these problems and saying, oh, I'm going to blame God for it. Instead, I turned on myself and started to hate myself and um, believe all these lies and, and really struggle. And I uh, was just constantly crying out to God for, for help to, um, to be there, to protect me, to uh, stop things from getting worse. Hey, how'd you... Uh... So how'd you overcome this? Cause we know like, obviously you work with a lot of kids and that's the, the ministry uh, that, that you do. And you like to um, encourage people. There's a lot of kids that are, and I don't want to say kids. I mean, adults, like people in general are going through a lot of these issues like self-harm, um, self-doubt, eating disorders, drug abuse, bullying. I mean, everything that's going on uh, in the, in the world right now, but what would you like? What, what is there like a chapter or something in your book that you kind of hit home on this? Or how would you want to encourage people like to come out or what, what steps would they take if they are in this scenario? 
Yeah, there's there's so many different things that were helpful in my journey and specifically people um, were hurt in relationships and God designed us to be healed in relationships, mm-hmm. relationship with him, relationship with other people. You look at all the one another's throughout the New Testament. Um, we weren't designed to do life alone, yet that's the life I knew. And so the first thing was getting around people, finding people that were different. Uh, and for me, that was when I went away to college. I went to George Mason University. I found this group of people who loved Jesus and loved people. And this is part of my story where where I was running away from God. I was so angry at him. That anger and that blame actually did end up happening later in my life. But these people were like, their love was contagious. They wanted to be around me. They were asking me about my life. Like they didn't judge me. They didn't condemn me. Mm And through them, it was a process of starting to open up and talk about the things I was struggling with. So that would be one of them. We talk about that in, I think it's chapter 10 of the book, you're made for more, just kind of what it looks like to have those healthy relationships. What, how do you know relationships are unhealthy and impacting me negatively? And what does it look like to find those, those kind of friends? Another thing. I want to stop right there because that's a, that's a big deal unhealthy relationships. A lot of people don't Mm. even know they're in unhealthy relationships, but yet their life is a mess. I I could go on and on about stories of, of, you know, well, I mean, without like calling people out or anything, like, you know, even when I wasn't a Christian, I'm dating like crazy girls or, you know, people that you you meet at a, 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 you know, a bar or, you know, party animal. If you're hanging out with these kind of people that just want to go out and, and get messed up or, or people that want to go out and cause, cause fights or, you know, people who could be into all kinds of different stuff. But if you're hanging out with these crowds that are dysfunctional, these people, you're going to bring that dysfunction into your life and you don't even know it. And if you're constantly around it, you don't even realize that your life could actually be transformed and changed. If you actually take yourself out of this bad scenario and place yourself around people that are legit and the way you're going to find people that are legit, right. Is getting around people that are godly, that are all going, you want to align yourself with people that are all going in the same direction. Right. And that's like what you did is you took yourself out of this scenario. You plan yourself in these guys that love God. And because they were Christians, true Christians, they love God that they loved you back and your atmosphere changed right around you Mm because you're not constantly around abuse and all these other things. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so easy to overlook, whether it's our environment growing up in our family, our friends growing up, our friends in our teenage years. Um, This is how I would encourage people, like what we're taking in and what we're absorbing uh, as it relates to hobbies, as it relates to words, as it relates to how are people treating you? And is that a reflection of how God sees you? Are you seeing yourself the way God sees you? Because you know, Genesis one and two were made in the image of God, unlike plants, unlike animals, unlike anything else. We have infinite value. That's why hurting people is wrong. Murder is wrong. And so are your friends, are your family helping you live into this person that God created you to be? Because for, for years, that wasn't the case for me. It was, these people are tearing me, me down. I'm feeling, I I don't know how much God loves me. I don't know who he says I am. I don't know my purpose in, in life and the environment and and not just looking at, you know, a lot of times I think we talk about our own sin, our own brokenness, which we have of course, but 
we got to realize that other people heavily influence yeah. how we view ourselves, the sin we end up in, the behaviors, and um, healthy, safe relationships with God and others are, are um, our greatest source of of healing. I would say, I, I agree, and I think that's um, overlooked a lot, and even setting up boundaries with people as well. Um, it yeah. can be healthy, very healthy as well. And then, what was the next thing that you were going to talk about? I was going to say in chapter eight of our book, it's called seeing yourself as God sees you. And it's basically this whole theology of what does God actually say about us? Because I think we do a great job of talking about Genesis three, the fall, sin entering the world, brokenness, um, being born into sin. David says, I think it's Psalm 55. Surely I was sinful since birth. Do it. We do a great job of talking about that. But we don't do a great job of talking about Genesis 1 and 2 and what it means to be humans made in God's image, infinite value, infinite dignity, the ability to create. And then what it means once we're redeemed by Christ um, to uh, see ourselves the way he sees us. In 1 John, it talks about how God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And so that should inform the way we like preach to ourselves the way we think like all day long, we've got these thoughts going on. And oftentimes it's like, man, I'm such a screw up, man. I can't believe I did that, man. That person is saying that I'm a failure, but first John three, one, see what kind of love the father's given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are, that should change everything. Um, we, we've got like a new lens that we can look at the world through. And uh, so often you know, the enemy's tactics since Genesis three is to bring shame in. You did that. That person said that, but God says in Genesis three, who told you, who told you the lie. And I think those are things we have to start to address in our own life because our behavior follows our belief. And um, so if we're struggling with anxiety, with depression, with, with porn, all these things, it's flowing from what's going on up here in our mind. What are we believing? What, what's, what's triggering us? What are we reacting to in life? So someone that is dealing with that right now, exactly that person that everything you said, how would they turn it off? How would they be able to combat that constant invading of those thoughts? The first thing that was helpful for me was just becoming aware of it because I wasn't aware of it for, for years, but I had this, these tapes going on in my mind, like this subconscious, something bad happens. I blame myself. Somebody bullies me. I agree with it. Um, I fail a test. Yeah, I'm not good enough. And I had this going on. So even even taking time this week to every day at the end of the day, say, what is one negative thought or, or lie, wrong thought that isn't true of, of me and how Christ sees me? Um, and then you start to we'll start to notice the, the pattern. Like for me, it was all about um, shame. It was all about I'm not good enough, whether it's um, I'm going I'm, I'm going to school and I'm, I'm really trying to be popular. And that person like disagrees with me or, or rejects me. Uh, that was big in, in my teenage years. And so those, these things had to do like with my sense of self, my sense of value and not seeing myself the way God sees me. I think the second one that was super important. We talk about this in, in the book is, is what it looks like to renew our minds. So once we're yeah. aware of that common lie, that common rejection, that kind of, uh, common theme of I'm not good enough. Whenever that comes up to challenge that, 
you know, in the Bible, we're told to take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. So make it obedient to Christ and everything that's true and noble and right and pure. Uh, My therapist has a phrase uh, that he's taught me called catching and switching. Catch that thought, switch it, believe the truer and better story. All truth resides in, in Christ. All love resides in him. Let's make sure what we're thinking about uh, is what's true and right and noble and pure. And the only way for the listeners is you're able to think about what is true and noble is that you have to put that inside of you. And that's in the Bible. Everything that Ben is referring to is the Bible. It's the words. Everything that you've been saying is you're combating it with the word of God. So how can someone turn it off? Well, they have to turn on God. They have to open the Bible. How can they cap those? How can they catch those thoughts and paste them to what is true? The word is you're going to have to read the Bible. You're going to have to know it. So the Holy Spirit can pull that scripture up and combat it with what is the lie. I call it the hi-fi, downloading the hi-fi, the most hi-fi, and you're bouncing off the lie-fi because Satan is Lucifer, the liar. So what's Hmm. happening is he's constantly shooting those fiery darts the Bible talks about into your mind all day long. And what he does is he gets all your failures, Satan, and he makes a tape of it or, uh, you know, a recording of it. And he keeps recording it over and over like you were talking about. And every time you would revert to that recording that Satan drops in with the Li-Fi over and over and over. But the only way you're able to combat it is you have to be connected to the most high fi which is the, the God in heaven and see what his word says about us. And that's the only way. And too many people get stuck in that rut of just not ever breaking free from their friends and just believing that lie over and over. And that's all that Satan wants to do is he wants to entangle us up in those lies and keeping us down in the dumps and never living that life that he created us for. So I'm stoked that you wrote this book and these chapters are are talking about that and they're going to walk people through this process. And sometimes, you know, you just need to like hear someone's perspective on it and, and, and see how they overcome those life application um, stories. And then when you read, you're like, wait a minute, that's me. And it's this simple. This is what I have to do. Instead of being stuck in a rut, like purchase the book, get it, read it, see what it has to say. And it will help you these simple steps to, uh, to overcome. So as you, as you looked at your life and you got perspective on different things, what has been the, um, what has, was it pretty easy to uh, transition or has, is it a work in, in progress for you? Like, do you still struggle with these things or have you been set free completely? What's, what's the process first for one that's listening? Yeah. So it was, you know, today um, I've been free from porn and masturbation for over eight years. So early on, this was like age 23, I went through a four year recovery process and, and the um, counselor I was meeting with weekly, he was a pastor, but he was also, he knew his stuff as far as neuroscience goes, as far as psychology goes. And um, so God really used that to set me free. And one of the biggest things was realizing that um, none of my struggles were random. Everything, there was something going on behind each and every one of them. Whereas for years, I thought every time I messed up and went back to porn, it's just because, well, I'm in process and I'm, I'm not, you know, fully sanctified yet. And one day this will be gone completely. But when I, what he helped me start to realize was 
even down to like every single time I went back to, to porn, there was an event that happened within a couple of days or the past week. For me, it was rejection, feeling not good enough. Why? Because earlier in earlier on in my life, that was such a common theme that now when it got triggered in the present, then porn was the way to try and uh, experience some pseudo sense of love, some acceptance, some safety in the moment. And then over time, because it releases so much porn releases uh, more dopamine than having sex with another human being, it rewired my brain and got me so uh, stuck. The neurons that fire together, wire together. So I had, I had this physical brain issue that, that I had to deal with. And so um, figuring that out was, was super helpful because then in those, in those moments, like looking at my life, okay, this situation just happened. I'm starting to feel rejected. What would I need in that moment? I needed to connect with, with God and others when we're hurt or when we're feeling rejected, we've got two options. We can connect or we can cope. And what I found in connecting with somebody was I actually experienced healing in what I needed. I needed acceptance rather than rejection, rather than going to porn to it over and over again. I started to experience that through safe people and through God and how he sees me. And that started to rewire my brain. So, so today um, I can't remember the last time I was tempted to look at porn. I'm not always walking around like, Oh, when am I going to fall again? God yeah. has actually rewired my brain um, and given me a, a, a new brain. And there's other things, of course, that I still struggle with still in process, but God's just done so much in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's kind of how it starts to play out. I want to talk more about this porn issue because porn, you know, you have, you, you watch a lot of the statistics and stuff like, what are some statistics? Yeah. Like, let's talk about porn right now. How is it affecting people? And what are the statistics? Yeah, one stat I came across last year was that, or the, or I think it was the year before, 2019. So it's gone up since then because yeah. of COVID and whatnot. But yep. that nine, about 90% of men and 60% of women had sought out porn within the past month. The numbers aren't that much better with Christians. We did a poll of, I worked with this organization. We did a poll so last year, a year and a half ago of um, college students. And the, some of the early stats we got were just um, so heartbreaking. 80% of the Christian women involved in this campus ministry in leadership were struggling with porn. And so it just continues to skyrocket. I'm at, at the point now where I'm like, Every, not every, but over half, uh, this is what I say generally, combining all the studies, over half of Christian men and women regularly seek out porn, and they're addicted to it, and so many desperately want to stop, but just don't know how to. Because it's, because it's so potent, and it's so attractive, and it's, you know, I've talked about, like, porn and sex, like, it feels good, right? God created sex, but what mm -hmm. happens is um, it gets demented by the enemy, it gets twisted, and the uh, production of pornography, the fantasy and everything that's connected to it and how intense and, you know, what it does to the mind, it's just way gnarlier than, I mean, you've, you've heard of the stories of like college kids get hooked on porn and they get so hooked on it that they can't even a normal, like just a hot college girl yeah. their age naked basically doesn't even turn them on or it turns them on, I guess, but it doesn't like, they can't even like engage in sex activities because the progression and how gnarly the pornography is, how potent it is and how strong it is that they can't even begin to even engage because 
they they aren't turned on enough because of how gnarly pornography is. Um, I have heard also oh. that I think it was in the uh, I don't even know like Barnett Group or someone, but they were saying about I think it was Barnett Group a while ago, probably about a year ago before COVID. They were saying that Christian kids um, watched they were they were confessing to watching pornography as a sex education. I don't know if you read that uh, article. They were looking at it like it's yeah. sex education, which that's gnarly. <laughs> number one. Um, number two, also Christian kids were watching it saying that it's, they feel that it's better that they actually act out on porn because it's better than actually having sex. Um, because mm. having sex is against the Bible, but yeah, Jesus says, you right. know, if you even look on a woman with lust, you're, you're committing a sin. Um, but is that interesting how? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still volunteer weekly with this Bible study with, with teens and the, most of them are Christians, but sex is, or uh, porn is the, is the common sex ed. Like it's almost not even like a shameful thing with them. It's like, it's the norm for, them to look at porn. I'm not even sure if they would say I struggle with porn. It's just everybody looks at porn. This is what sex is. Uh, that's how it was for me growing up. Like that's how I learned about sex, but it was completely wrong because studies show that 88% of uh, porn scenes dic- um, show violence towards women. You know, there's, there's hitting, there's physical abuse, there's racism, sexism. And that's what a whole generation is, is growing up thinking sex is and now what's happening is child on child sexual abuse is skyrocketing because people are acting out what they're seeing. I, I've had this happen to close family friends of mine, like their kid was sexually abused. He was raped, and the person who did it was a, another young boy who was watching porn. And so people start acting on this at a young age, and it's just getting more and more violent and horrendous. It's, it's, it's the fantasy, right? It's the fantasy that overtakes people. It's just like any like murder or whatever. Like it's, they always, like, these, these big time murders, like Dahmer and all them, they're all wrapped up in pornography and the enemy yeah. gets in and it's those footholds. It's those strongholds that comes in and he, uh, he, he gets a hold of you. But like you were saying, um, we could become a new creation in Christ. We have to cap. We have to get our minds captive, right, with Christ. But how are you going to captive mm-hmm. your captive the thoughts if you're continually putting garbage in, overloading yourself? Because you know our mind's like a hard drive, yeah. right? It's just you're just dumping it all in. You have to literally, uh, you have to fast from the stuff and get out of it and sur- get your different surroundings, not only your friends, but different surroundings of stuff that you're watching and that you're you're listening to. You got to literally switch it all up um, to enable to to over to overcome that. So. Now, getting set free from from pornography, um, what are some other what are some other life application stuff uh, that you guys talk about in your book? You hit hard on porn, obviously. You hit uh, hard mm-hmm. on on forgiveness as well, right? That was that was one of the chapters. Yeah, well, one of my one of my favorite things we talk about in like the whole basis of the book. Um, we start in chapters one, but then in chapter two, we do a deep dive on it. Is you know, Josh and I were looking at like, okay, our own lives, like the abuse, the trauma I went through, the addiction, the mental health stuff, suicidal thoughts, looking at his life, abuse. He had an alcoholic father. Um, he was he was raped early growing up, like deep hurt and and stuff that both of us had to 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 deal with. It was uh limiting our relationships, limiting like 
negatively impacting our view of ourselves, our view of God. So we started thinking through, okay, what, why do people, or how do we even put this together? And one of the things we started finding was that um, every human being has these seven longings of their heart. Mm-hmm. We talk about this all throughout the book. Um, and Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do in life flows from it. Wow. A lot of times we talk about that in the church as, okay, well, your heart is deceitful. You're a sinner. So bad stuff is coming out of it. But that's Jeremiah uh, 17, I think it is. But also in Ezekiel, it said, I will give you a new heart. I will move your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So that heart is deceitful. Our heart is no longer deceitful. We have the spirit who has renewed us. We have a new heart. So we got to look at Proverbs 4.23. What, is, what are the legitimate things? Uh, there are still some Ill- illegitimate things, but what are the legitimate things coming out of, of my heart? What am I longing for? So we found these seven longings through research, through psychology, through sociology, and all throughout the Bible. God creates every human being with the longing to be accepted, to be safe, to have their feelings affirmed, um, to not be lonely, but to have people give them attention and take interest in their their opinions. I think of in, in Romans, it says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you. We need acceptance from God and others. When we don't get that met right here in the present or in the past, it causes something in our heart, broken heart, unfulfilled heart, and stuff flows from that. And so we're going to seek it out. We're going to seek out that acceptance through pornography, or we're going to get really anxious. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling rejection. Is that person going to reject me? Am I going to do well? What's going to happen with my finances? All right. I'm sorry. I have, I have to cut you off because we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back to those seven points right after the break. Peace. Now back, back to the Ryan Reese show. All right. We are back in studio with Ben Bennett. He, uh, him and Josh McDowell just had this book come out. Free to Thrive, and it has been a bestseller when it first came out, and it's still a bestseller in many categories. You can scoop it up wherever books are sold. Um, Amazon's always a nice one. You can read all the comments about it. You can see all the five stars, and you could uh, one click away, and uh, it's it's there, free shipping. I, I love Amazon. It'll get it'll make it happen. So click on it, order, get it. It's a it's a discipleship book. It's a faith builder. Um, it's, it's powerful. It will help you overcome different things in your life. It's, it's very transparent as I was, uh, talking about at the beginning of the show. It's authentic. I just love these kinds of books that are just easy to read, read. It gets down to the gritty. There's no fluff. It's just right there in your face because these kind of books are the ones that will actually address the issues and it gives you the solution. And all you have to do is read it and apply it to your life and you will start seeing your life transform that's what these books are for it's always pointing people to god and to transform you so thanks for being on the show uh ben right before the break we were talking about you were talking about seven points that you were addressing let's start that up again i know we ran out of time at the end of the break but uh let's go for it yeah the seven longings we found lead somebody to a a thriving life god has created every human being with these longings or these persistent cravings in their hearts um, acceptance, affirmation of our feelings, attention, safety, all kinds of things like that. And, you know, if we look at the Bible, Genesis one and two, uh, when God created us, God created humans in Eden and 
They had a they walked with God in the cool of the day. It wasn't good for man to be alone. There was someone else for Adam. And so they had these longings fulfilled in perfect relationships with God and with others. And we know Genesis three, now we're in a fallen world. We have unmet longings. We have hurt. We don't, instead of acceptance, we experience rejection instead of safety. We experience tragedy, school shootings, um, things we see on on the news and whether or not we realize that we do something with that because we're, we're aching for the garden of Eden. We're aching for those longings to all be fulfilled. So we say that these unmet longings, when the seven longings go unmet, um, we do something with that. And it leads to unwanted behaviors. It leads to lies. It leads to anxiety, porn addiction, drinking too much, overeating. It leads to this performance mentality. Think about it. So many people are out there trying to hustle for their worth, trying to feel acceptance, get the job, get the the wife, get the money, uh, perform for their dad, finally please him, even though they're 40 years old. That's because of the unmet longings, the the lack of acceptance, the lack of of these things. And it comes out all throughout scripture um, in different people's stories and and verses. But that's kind of the, the overview of of the seven longings. So how do you fulfill those, those longings for, for the listening audience? Chapter two of our book, you got to pick it up. (laughs) Um, You start, you start to just become aware of them. Okay. Let's start with the most foundational one. Right. We're not going to give it all. We're not going to give it all away. We're just going to give them a little teaser. Right. Okay. A teaser. Uh, Think about acceptance. Okay. And how through Christ, God accepts us. Mm We're, we're, we're forgiven of our sin. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't accept us based on our good deeds. Um, he doesn't even reject us through Christ based on our bad deeds. It's thir- solely through through Jesus. This is different from any other major world religion. Yep. You know, every other major world religion says you have to do good. You got to serve the poor. You got to give this amount of money. Yep. Maybe eventually God will accept you. You'll die. You'll go to heaven. Now, Jesus paid it all for us. He accepts us as we are. And man, the person who knows us the most accepts us the most, Mm -hmm. loves us the most. He knows everything we've ever done, all our shortcomings, our worst thoughts, um, the things we're ashamed of. And he doesn't condemn us. He doesn't judge us. He forgives us. He loves us. And that frees us up. So every day I'm as I'm going throughout my day, I'm trying to get God's thoughts on on me. I'm a love child of God. I'm accepted. Yeah, that that person who, when they cut me off in traffic, um, I used to feel really have a strong unmet longing. Oh, that's rejection. They're they're not treating me well. I'm basically feeling like I'm not even treated like a human being. But now I'm like, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they're hurting. Yeah. I'm accepted yeah. through God. I've got my friends who accept me. And so relationships. Um I think of this is a profound, one of the profound things we found when we were researching all this, Harvard, Harvard University, they have been doing a study for 80 years. They wanted to figure out what led people to the happiest and healthiest life. So most satisfying life, lack of diseases, the current head of the study, profound, about a year, a year and a half ago, two years ago, said by by far um, the, the biggest finding from the study is that good relationships lead to happier and healthier lives. And I'm going, dang, yeah, 
through God, through others. We have our, we have the lowest amount of disease. We have the happiest life. We're most satisfied. And it's through finding these needs, these longings in God and others, no matter the money you have, no matter the struggles you have, this is what really sets us free to to thrive in our lives. That's amazing. That, that, that totally makes sense because when you have bad relationships, all that stuff that you were talking about, it just all, you know, anxiety, trying to strive for work and, you know, in fights with these people and bitterness and all that stuff will just affect you and just eat you up from the inside mm-hmm. out. And then you're the reaction of that to, to cope with that stuff. When you're said, when you're not accepted or stressed out, then you go to pornography or drugs or alcohol or whatever your whatever, whatever gives you that moment of, of, you know, peace or, or, or acceptance or yeah. whatever you were talking about, you know, earlier, um, you could totally, you could totally see that. I mean, I know I've known some people that have had bad relationships and just caught up in bitterness and, and anger and stuff. And it just, it just eats them up from, from the inside. Mm. It actually, I think literally just even from bitterness and stuff, it like it releases some chemical. I, I read a, a long time ago in your, in, in your system that, that actually is, is it's like poisonous for you. It, it literally will attack you from the inside out. Yeah. Like it releases dopamine and, and cortisol. And um, according to researchers, cortisol, that's the stress hormone. It's still the number one cause of disease. 90% of diseases are caused by, by stress. And so people get this high. It's like, Oh, you rejected me. Oh, you did that to me. You hurt me. Well, I can feel in control. I can feel empowered. I can get these drugs released in my mind and go into a state of rage or, or just anger. And I'm not going to let go of that. I think that's why it's so hard to forgive people because we're releasing that debt to God to deal with rather than staying in control. When we're in control, we feel like we can protect ourselves from that happening again. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting that that's like the, the base of the gospel is like God so loved the world that he gave his only son that to die on the cross, to forgive us of our sins and forgiveness is a huge thing. I, you know, when you even look at just the culture and the way we are, are programmed to, to live just through like what the media says, you know, go get yours, you know, come up, forget everyone else. I mean, there, there is an undertone like love people, but really at the end of the day, it's all about you, 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 me, 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 you know what I mean? And, and, and getting ahead mm-hmm. and uh, people hold on to unforgiveness and resentment. And there's, there's, that's just, people hold on to that stuff. And it just, there's, there's just a lack of lack of it. So people become slaves to the unforgiveness and that resentment and hold on to it. And then it just, it's, it, you could see it through the culture, just the way people treat each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, anyway, um, what else, what, what are some other chapters? I know we have a few minutes left. Uh, what are some other chapters that you want to just kind of briefly hit on to encourage people to, to get out and purchase this book again? I want to push that this is a, a number one, it's a bestseller. It has been on Amazon in a couple of different categories. What, what has been the response with the book? Like, what have you guys heard some feedback from people that have read it? and have been encouraged by what are some cool stories? Yeah, it's been super encouraging, man. We had, um, one guy, his name is John last name. I think is Fobert, but he's a leading uh, researcher on pornography, the harms of porn. He pops up in different videos from different organizations. And, uh, he's doing all, all research on the, the violence of porn, the harm of porn. 
and he read the book and, and, uh, left a, a review like on Amazon. And I saw it, I was like, this is amazing. And he was just saying that if you want your life, if you want to see God transform your life, read it like it's transformed my life. And I'm going, this guy knows Dang. his stuff. Like he knows about trauma. He knows about neuroscience. Yeah. And to have him say something like that. Another thing was <laughs> Rick Warren. So, you know, Rick Warren legend, the purpose driven life. Yep. Um, so he endorsed our book and he said, if you want to have uh, a life full of purpose and thriving, I'm going, if anybody knows about purpose in life, it's yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, he said, if you want to have a life of purpose and thriving, pick up this book. So just stuff like that, man, has been so encouraging and um, just, I can go into story yeah. after story, friend after friend, um, of people starting to to read it and figuring out, oh my gosh, I had one friend recently say, oh my gosh, this is just helping me realize how growing up so negatively impacted me and the lies I've believed and how the enemy is the enemy, like this is his number one way of spiritual uh, warfare against us is lies. Think about Jesus yep. in the desert when he's tempted. Like yep. if if you ever see spiritual warfare on, on display fully in the life of Jesus, um, it's there in the desert, 40 days. What does the devil do? He doesn't send demons to like afflict him. He, he comes at him with lies or twisting scripture and Jesus combats it with the, the truth, knowing the word. Yep. And so this, this girl seeing these lies, why she struggles with her self image, why she's angry. It was almost like, for years, not knowing. And then, um, the, everything kind of peeled back as to what's, what's going on. And that's really our hope with the book is that it's, it's kind of like Josh's life work, my life work, the best of so many things and struggles we've been to and been through and, and, and how we hope that, that God just peels back some of the layers of, Oh, this is why I do what I do. This is why I was hurt there. This is why I'm struggling now. And here's what I can do about it. And, um, Chapter chapter six. I love this chapter. What your brain needs you to know. This is where we start nerding out. But I know you know about neuroscience and the studies, and and this is kind of like a, um, the Bible talks so much about neuroscience. Yet for some reason we don't talk about that fact. But all throughout the Bible, over five hundred and eighty times, it mentions the words mind, think, believe, and variations of those. And that's just one translation. You know, we're told to think about things that are true, noble, right, and pure, take our thoughts captive, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this comes back to the fact that neuroscience shows that our thoughts are not, so they're actually physical things and they look like trees in our brain. And the more we think certain thoughts, believe certain beliefs, act on certain behaviors, the more and more we get anxious, um, the trees in our brain grow and they're more and more physical. And that's why we can start struggling with something. It can be so hard to stop, but we can have compassion for ourselves, realizing, Oh my gosh, I've got these brain trees and they've developed really, really strongly, but neuroplasticity and Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the neurons that fire apart, wire apart. As we stop thinking those same thoughts, believing those same, same beliefs, going to those same behaviors, God renews our mind. We, we start developing new pathways. And again, coming back to connecting rather than coping, that's one of the, the greatest things we can do. Reach out rather than acting out. Connect rather than cope. Um, find these longings, these needs met in relationship with God and others and, and find true satisfaction in your brain actually changes. That's amazing. You know, 
when you were when you were also talking about how um, you know Satan puts those the, how he met with uh, Jesus in the desert and he attacked him mm. with uh, the words the lies basically. I mean, you know, I've talked about this uh, before, but it's it's definitely we have to really put this into perspective. Is you know Satan, the father of lies, right? He when he was in mm-hmm. heaven, he basically lied and deceived one third of the angels. Like, think about this. If he could get one third of the angels to follow him when they're in heaven with God in heaven, like imagine like being there and seeing all of God's glory and Satan was such a good liar, you know, fisherman of all fishermen. He was able to get one third of the angels to believe that they were able to overthrow God in heaven. Like this dude is the father of lies and he is a very good fisherman and he knows how to get into a human mind and deceive us and to get us captive to be his, basically his slave under his, his rule in our life and to keep us down. So know that Satan is a liar. And the only thing that will break you out of that and get you out of this is to read the word is the truth. You have to know in order to have that transformed mind like you were talking about, it has to be through the Word of God. Because remember, Jesus came out of eternity. The Word became flesh. The Word of God became flesh, became Jesus. Jesus is the Word. And that is the only thing. That, that's the only truth that will be able to set you free. And that you could get the what is lies. Because remember, Satan is the king of lies. And he's going to continue to bombard your mind, to lie to you, to get you messed up to go out and act out on things. Then he'll enslave you through those strongholds or those addictions or those footholds, you know, and then he'll hold you tight. But the only thing that will set you free is Jesus. And that's through the word and through the power of the Holy spirit. What was that last chapter uh, that your mind needs things that your mind needs to know? Or what was that chapter? Chapter six, what your brain needs you to know. Yeah. What your brain needs all about that. So in closing, we have about nine minutes uh, left. Um, is there any anything that you want to encourage uh, people with more, or any subjects you want to you want to hit on more before uh, ending the show? Yeah, I, I think um, you know, with, with with me, I can I can get a little more into kind of what happened, mm-hmm. um, and because I think this will encourage people. Yeah. Um, because I think when hardship happens. We, we have two options. We can run away from God and we can blame him. Right. And I did that. I can get into that or we can run to him. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, I have learned to kiss the wave that crashes me against the rock of ages. Oh, dang. And <laughs> I've witnessed God in my suffering, in my pain, in my confusion, show up in a way that I don't see him, that I don't experience him um, at the mountaintop. You know, he's there, he's omnipresent, he's always there, but he he's so kind, he's so loving, um, he's so for us. He weeps with those who weep. I was reading um, in what, John 11 today about Lazarus, and Jesus wept. He, he's, yep. he's compassionate, God is compassionate. He's not distant, you know, just watching the world burn. No, he's, he's here with us. And so for, for me, just struggling for years throughout the teenage years, seeing my, my dad abuse alcohol, um, experiencing being bullied by him, by friends, name calling, feeling like I didn't fit in, telling myself all these, these lies, 
trauma after trauma, anxiety, depression, obsessive compulsive disorder, overeating, undereating, um, eventually dealing with suicidal thoughts, wishing I had never been born. I started to get really, really angry at God. And then one morning I was 17. My parents woke me up. They shared that my grandfather had died by suicide and I was done, man. I was so angry. I've never been that angry in my life. Um, and I was like, screw you, God, screw this. I'm done. And so I spent a year just going after whatever I wanted to go after. Um, I was in the punk music and hardcore music and got into the straight edge. So I never got into, you know, drugs and, you know, drinking or at that point in my life. Um, and that kind of, I'm convinced God used that to save my life. He saved my soul. He used music and hardcore to save my, um, my life. Um, but I was angry. I was lying. I was using people and I was just bitter, got more and more angry. I was coping. I was full on deep dive into pornography and eventually a year and a half of running from God. So angry at him. I was like, this isn't working and I'm miserable and suicidal thoughts are coming in. I'm like, I don't know what I'm living for in this. I know God is real, but I don't really want anything to do with him. But at some point I got to the point where I was like, there's gotta be more. Like, I'm not just here randomly. I want to be part of something bigger. I know God is real. And so through a series of events and and people ended up at this worship service, God met me there. I was weeping. I I re-surrendered my life to him. I was like, I don't have this all figured out. I'm still not fully convinced. Um, But then started investigating Christianity and realizing it's not made up. There's real historical facts. The tomb is empty. Like we know where Joseph Smith died and is, we know where Buddha is and died, but the tomb is empty where where Jesus died. His followers were were afraid. And then they saw the bodily resurrection of Christ and then went nuts and turned the world upside down and were martyred and crucified upside down. They saw something that changed everything. And these guys, these guys, I started to be deeply convinced. They died for the cause. If this thing yeah. was fake, they could have just been like, hey, you know what? This whole Jesus thing, like, we're cool. But they actually died for it. You don't die for something yeah. unless it's real. You know what I mean? And they yeah. did change the world. Yeah. And I became convinced of that, started running towards God, eventually got into, like I said, recovery and therapy, unlearning all these lies, relearning seeing myself as God sees me having safe community, healthy people catching and switching, changing, you know, those beliefs and starting to um, be transformed by the renewing of my mind, getting set free from all kinds of things. And um, today just continuing to help other people leading the resolution movement, seeing kids saved from suicide and and meet Jesus. And, and so I would say um, that, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're, you're struggling with, um, take, take a step back and think about what might be going on. Like, I don't know about you, but I was deceived by the enemy for so long in all these lies. And I think when we're struggling, when we're thinking about suicide, when we think we're thinking that nothing can ever get better, that's not the mind of Christ. That's not truth. The truth uh, uh, of God that's from the enemy. Yeah. And 
We don't want to live deceived by the enemy. We want to get sweet revenge, as my old therapist used to say, sweet revenge against the enemy. Like, he's caused too much harm. He's caused too many people to suffer. Let's be part of the solution. And God can take my mess and turn it into my message. And all my friends are struggling too, but once I get help, then God's going to use me to wreck shop for the kingdom and to help so many other people. And so I believe that God can do that in, in your life, no matter what you're struggling with uh, today. It's as simple as this, just like Ben just said, um, if you are in a situation right now and you're feeling suicidal, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxiety, feeling bitter, unforgiveness, that is not God. So that clearly means that you need to go in the different direction than where you're at. You need to change your surroundings. You need to change your whole program. Everything that you're doing in your life, you need to switch it all up. That's what repenting means. It means to basically change your heart and mind in the direction you are going. And I would say scoop up a Bible. Uh, the Bible app, you could download it. It has all the different translations, whatever you want to read. Um, grab the book. Go to Amazon or wherever books are sold. Pick up the book, read the Bible, and read the book. These are two great things. I know when I get, got saved, I, ha- I got a Bible, and I actually read Head's book, uh, Brian Head Welch from Corn, uh, Save Me From Myself. <laughs> that was a perfect message for me at that point. Uh, I got those. I was reading the Bible because that's the most important thing. But then I had the book, which was cool because it was just his story with life application of the process that he went through. But I know that this book that you have right here, this is going to this is also the process that for two different people uh, perspective, but always pointing back to the word of God. So I would definitely uh, do that. Get that. Do you you have like a podcast as well, right? Yeah, the resolution podcast. We're on everywhere. Podcasts are YouTube. Yeah. So social media, where can they find you on social websites? Anything you want to plug? Yeah. If you go to resolutionmovement.org, you can find links to all of our socials at resolution movement. And then I'm on, I'm on Instagram, DM me. I'd love to chat, love to uh, help. However I can, if you're struggling at Ben V Bennett, two N's, two T's. Awesome. And we'll be doing some social media, uh, some more stuff to get you out there, you know, as, as far as the stories and stuff and just let people know on our, even on our main feed to know how people can find you, and find the book and all that stuff, dude. Thank you for being on. Um, when are you coming to Cali? Are you uh, are you going to make it out? Oh, we're coming to Texas. We have all kinds of dates Ooh. in Texas. We have actually two weeks of tours in Texas. Uh, one week's going to be with Head and Sonny. Um, we're going to be hopping from like Houston. I think we're going to be in the Houston area. And then I have a whole nother week of my book tour, Kill the Noise. Um, I'll be hopping around all through Texas, actually all the major cities there, but, uh, we got to connect and hang, you should come out and hang with us. Um, so sick. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll get barbecue. We'll do all the Texan thing. We'll go to a rodeo. (laughs) Dude, let's go. Let's put head on a a bucking, uh, a bull or something, you know, (laughs) let's do it. It's going to be rad. (laughs) I don't know. I just think that would look funny. Crazy head, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Um, Dude, I love you, man, and uh, we'll be um, we'll be in touch, man. Thanks again for for being on, dude. I'm stoked that we got to finally get this interview. All right, man. Yeah. Love you yeah, guys. Love Thanks you, for man. tuning Thanks so in. Much. We'll be uh, live next uh, next Saturday night. Peace.
This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.